1: This is John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Wanted to say just a quick word to thank everyone who supports our work at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader and remind you, you can get a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com, a digital subscription where you get all of our sports coverage. That's Kentucky basketball with Jerry Tipton, Kentucky football with Josh Moore. You get our my columns, Mark Story's columns. You get Kentucky Recruiting, Basketball Recruiting with Ben Roberts. You get all of our high school coverage with Jared Peck, $30 for the first year for a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com. Please check that out. Go to Kentucky.com, hit the subscribe button, check out all of our offers, and once again, we thank everyone who supports our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. And I promised you a basketball recruiting podcast, and we're going to have one today. I talked with Ben Roberts, the UK basketball recruiting writer for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. We talked about the Olivier Sartre uh, situation. We also talked about the 2021 targets. We got into a little talk about this year's team as well. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it. My conversation with Ben Roberts of the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. My guest on the podcast is a UK basketball recruiting writer, uh, my friend and colleague from the Herald Leader, Ben Roberts. How's it going, Ben? Good, John. How are you? I'm doing all right. We haven't talked to you in a while. Wanted to catch up on recruiting, especially since we've uh, relaunched the podcast, so to speak. Um <clears throat> The big question. Uh, well, first of all, how's your how's how's COVID treating you? Are you staying safe? I know you have a a, a young one there. Uh, everybody keeping safe?
0: Yeah, yeah. She's uh, nap time right now. Everybody's still. I mean, like everybody else, we're cooped up uh, in the house for pretty much all the day. My dog just sneezed in the background. I don't know if you heard that. But no, but <laughs> she spends most of the day on the pillow in my office. So <laughs> well, that's good.
1: That's good. I'm glad everybody's staying healthy and safe. Um, the question everybody's been asking for a long time now is uh, Olivier Sar. What's going on with Olivier Sar? What is the latest? I get a guy calls me I think every day, wanting to know, <laughs> leaves a message, or a t- I've talked to him a few times. But every day he's got the same question. I don't have an answer for him. What's what's why hasn't Olivier Saar been ruled eligible yet? What's up, what's up with it?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously for the longest time, we thought it was going to be an NCAA issue um, because he didn't really fit any of the criteria for in normal years getting clearance from the NCAA. Obviously last month, uh, uh, Dig Vitale put out there and then I confirmed um, with some sources that the NCAA had indeed already cleared him uh, earlier this summer. Uh, so in their eyes, he was good to go. Obviously they've been a little more lenient with... Um, Stuff like that in 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 this climate and in, in this cycle, so they say he's good to go. But the SEC has a weird rule that uh, is very specific rule that doesn't allow players who haven't graduated from college who are coming into a new school with uh, with fewer than basically with one just one season of eligibility to play right away. Uh, and he doesn't really fit the criteria to get through that rule either. Um, but I think and we. Kind of been expecting this for a while. Finally, the NCAA yesterday gave a blanket extra season of eligibility to, to all winter athletes um, for this season, which they'd already done for the fall sports and they'd already done for the spring sports. And so basically what that means is even if you play college basketball this season, it doesn't count against your four seasons of eligibility. Uh, so, for instance, uh, if Brandon Boston Jr. wants to play basketball in Kentucky for five seasons, he can do that that's not going to happen, but what what it also means is that Olivier Sarr technically has two seasons of eligibility now, which by all logic, I would think would get him um, basically exempt from that SEC rule. And obviously the extrapolation of that is that he should be eligible to play for Kentucky this season. So Uh, you know a lot of moving pieces there you know the if the SEC really wants to get down to semantics and and look at that rule and I mean the rule does say that when you enroll in your new school you have to have fewer than two or if you have fewer than two seasons you're not eligible if they technically want to say that Olivier was already enrolled here before he got the extra season I mean that I guess they can do that but I don't know that that's worth one ticking off Calipari and everybody at Kentucky and two, I mean the, the end game here is if you don't rule him eligible, you're taking away possibly the best player from what is undoubtedly the, the best basketball program in your conference. And I just don't see any logic at all behind doing that, especially when the NCAA says he's, he's good to go. And we're talking about a kid who by all accounts has done everything right through his entire basketball career. He was a, He was an all ECC academic selection um, earlier in his career at Wake Forest. I mean, everybody you talk to says he's a good kid, a good student, uh, just wants to play basketball this season. And I think the SEC would come across nationally as a as a pretty big villain if they they didn't allow that to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I read uh, your story, and then read Gary Parish, our friend from CBS Sports, who brought yeah. up the same thing about he, you know, if the if the SEC wants to be a stickler, they could say, well, at the time he enrolled, the new NC this new NCAA waiver was not in effect, but he still thought that Kentucky that they would ultimately rule him eligible. Do you think the same thing?
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, I think that's the case. And uh, again, I just don't see. I, you know, I do know there's been some pushback from around the league. I know of at least one other school in the conference who has been uh, pretty vocally against this and has uh, reached out to the SEC and said such. Yeah. And uh, actually, I I asked Do you know
1: who that – you're going to tell us who that school is, right? You're going to tell us right here on this podcast, right?
0: Uh, Well, I mean, I I reached out to the school for a comment, and and they didn't get back to me.
1: Um,
0: But – so i guess we don't have anything official on that but yeah maybe we could
1: start a poll who do you think it is Which know. school do you think it is and there might be
0: more than one but there's there's at least one, that one, I know of. one so so one in the I, grapevine you know, I, anyway outside of that um and again that's not you know i, I just don't see why the sec wouldn't just say hey Yeah. Also, you've got common sense here.
1: Yeah. Also, you've got I mean, it's pretty well established that the NCAA is going to change the rule or adopt the new rule that you one time transfers are allowed to transfer without sitting out why wouldn't they go ahead and, since they're going to do it anyway, and then we're we're playing through a pandemic here. We have COVID-19. It's peaking again in case uh, Dan Mullen and people like that didn't know. Nick Saban's got it, for heaven's sake. Why wouldn't you go ahead and under extenuating circumstances and go ahead and let the kid play?
0: And that was a rule that, you know, pre-COVID was expected to be in effect for this year. Uh, You know, the, the buzz in all college basketball circles was that that thing was going to get done and time to go into, into effect for this season. um, A lot of stuff got pushed back for COVID. A lot of stuff got pushed back for other reasons. But, yeah, this is – I mean, the NCAA, that's one of the things they also talked about this week, that that, that is now on the fast track to get approved for next season. So, it, you know, it just right. – I, I don't – from the SEC's point of view, I don't have any idea other than to appease – another program, but that also doesn't make much sense. And they, they, you know, the SEC frankly just hasn't been very forthcoming about that rule in general. Um, You know what yesterday's NCAA ruling might mean for SAR, uh, you know, they're just basically saying they're not going to comment on anything related to any, any kind of pending transfers or even what, you know, why that rule is even in place. Um, So my guess is, and it might be by the time we get off this podcast that, that we're going <laughs> to get word at some point that Olivier Sar is eligible. I mean, the SEC is just finally, finally uh, relenting. But, I mean, we've already seen it today. Uh, you mentioned Gary Parrish's piece. Uh, Billis is out there again. Dick Vitale mm-hmm. is out there again. And, you know, if we, I mean, this kid's been on campus since, since like, May or June now at this point. Maybe even before that. I can't remember. But, Again, he's doing everything right. He just wants to play basketball. We're in the middle of a pandemic. What? What? What are we doing here? Yeah.
1: Let the kid play. <laughs> Let the kids play, as they say, uh, during yeah. the pandemic. Uh, okay, let's move on to um, the. We got two big announcements next week on the recruiting trail: Bryce Hopkins and Scott Clark. Uh, when are they going to announce? And, and what's the latest on those two?
0: Yeah, Bryce Hopkins, um, Eric Bossy, our friend over at Used to Be Rivals now at twenty four seven reported that. Hopkins is going to announce on Tuesday. I talked to some people around his camp um, uh, two or three days ago, and they said it could happen Tuesday. They were actually hearing Wednesday. He's apparently doing like a commitment video that sounds like it's going to happen over the weekend. And they want to wait until that's done so they can post that. So they said it might even be Monday if, the, if they chop it together that quick, I guess. Uh, so sometime early in the week, it sounds like Bryce Hopkins will have made a decision uh, and right now, as we talk Thursday afternoon, um, it sounds like uh, Kentucky is the team to beat. Um, they, which you know, going back two months, isn't a surprise because as soon as as soon as they offered uh, in August, pretty much everybody thought that. Bryce was going to end up here. He'd been committed to Louisville for almost a year. Um, Kentucky, after he decommitted a couple days later, Kentucky was one of the first schools to get in there and, and offer. Uh, by all accounts, they immediately jumped to leader leader status. A lot of people thought it would be done within a few days. But it's drug on for, for a couple months. So that's never a great sign when you think you're leading and you think it's almost over and then it, it that doesn't happen. But all the recent talk – Um, has been that Bryce will will ultimately end up here. And then Thursday is when Sky Clark announces he's technically class of 2022, so he's got two seasons left of of high school basketball. He's talked a lot in the past about possibly jumping to 2021 if he's ready, if it's a good fit for whatever team he picks. Um, Usually when you see a kid – one, talk that much about it. He and his dad have, have been open about that process. And two, make a decision this early that usually points to they're going to reclassify. In this case, I'm not so certain that's true. I, I think. Really? Uh, um, yeah, you know, I, well, you know, he, he really blew up several months ago within the last year. And he's cut the list down since then, but he was just really getting inundated with, with coaches all over the country um, calling him wanting to recruit him obviously that's a good problem to have as his dad told me uh last week but it does get tiresome for a kid who who just turned 17 years old a couple months ago um i think he i think he just knows where he wants to go and doesn't think he's going to change his mind and he's going to go ahead and put it out there and kind of shut off this process and and concentrate on playing basketball um for the longest time, he was about as close to a Kentucky lock as, as I can remember just from talking to to him and his dad and some people in the recruiting world who who had followed that one. Uh, it seemed like a, a, a no-brainer. Uh, here more recently, North Carolina has jumped up there and gotten a lot of buzz, but it seems like in the past couple weeks, the general consensus has again swung back to, to Kentucky. Um, and it's an interesting situation because Kentucky, when we can talk about it more Later, but Kentucky has a lot of really good point guards seemingly lined up for next season. Sky Clark is a point guard; he can play off the ball, he can play the two, he can shoot from deep. Uh, obviously, John Calipari's had a lot of success, including this past season with with playing multiple guys at that position at the same time. Uh, but they really they could end up with really a, a wealth of talent at that position. So. I think it might be a case where if he does pick Kentucky, he can kind of wait, play this season out, and then take a look at the end of the year. Like, what does Kentucky have at my spot next year? If they need him and he's ready, maybe he reclassifies. If they don't and he thinks he can, or he thinks he can work on his game a little bit more before he gets here, maybe stay in high school an extra year. So he's going to have a lot of wiggle room. And it, it sounds like either way, Kentucky's going to be uh, uh, have some pretty good talent at that position next season
1: let's go back to Hopkins for a minute. What happened with Hopkins in Louisville? Did he just commit too early or did something happen there or and didn't he like didn't the didn't he put out like nine teams he was interested in or nine teams he was serious about that he had heard from or or, or am I mistaken yeah. there?
0: No, yeah, with Louisville, he never really explicitly said um you know part, part of the word was maybe he committed too early. There were also some concerns about is the NCAA done with Louisville? Like, what are the repercussions going to be for for any right. penalties coming up from from what happened before Chris Mack got there? That's a um, legitimate concern. So, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, and it's something that they're, they're still in had the to process. Yeah, they're yeah. in the process of going um, through that now, and and will will be so for the for the foreseeable future. Right. Uh, so I think it was a combination of things. Um, and then when he opened it up, uh, it was one of those situations where you know, just about everybody in the country reaches out to see what his interest was, and from there, he narrowed it to those nine schools, and he was actually supposed to make another cut uh, about a month ago to, to four or five schools and then make a decision, and And that didn't happen. He just said he couldn't couldn't get it down that low and still wanted to hear from some people. Um, so that was another sign that, you know, maybe Kentucky had more work to do than, than people originally thought, but so now he's going in with, technically, he still has nine on his list, but uh, Kentucky, Illinois, Indiana, Providence—these are these are kind of the the main schools that that. Yeah, we've still been hearing about over the past couple weeks or so.
1: Okay, okay, let's uh, talk about the other 2021 targets. Uh, uh, three names in particular: Hunter Salas, uh, Damian Collins, and then a new guy on the list that I'm probably paying, uh, who just popped up. Uh, probably pronouncing this wrong, but Brandon Podzimski's, Podzimski's. Podzimski is Podzim Podzimski. Uh, yeah, yeah what, what do we know about – what about these guys? How close are – especially Salis and Collins, how close are they to making a decision? Just what, what's the overall feel for these guys?
0: Yeah, with Salis and Collins, both of those guys um, – and Salis is – both those guys are top 10 recruits um, or, or probably will end up being in that range at the end of the cycle. Salas is a, a point guard, 6'5", point guard, kind of a do-it-all type, really fits the Calipari point guard mold. Damian Collins is a 6'9", skinny, uh, super athletic uh, forward from from East Texas. And both those guys have talked in the past about waiting, and Salas is kind of still talking about waiting until the spring to make a decision. I wouldn't be surprised if either or both of those guys went ahead and, and made a call um, here in the next month or so and we're only – uh, actually, I think five weeks from yesterday is the uh, the end of the early signing period. So it starts uh, here in about, about 25 days or so. Here in the next uh, November 11th is the, the first day of that. So I think we could see decisions from both those guys kind of in that range. Hunter Salas, you know, we talked about Sky Clark. Hunter Salas is right now probably considered the number one point guard in this 2021 class. Um, Kentucky has... You know, it's it's certainly not – I wouldn't call them a clear leader or anything because Kansas has been there a while. North Carolina has been there a while. Some of the local schools have, have been in there. He's, he's from Omaha, Nebraska. Um, but right now, I think if people had to pick, they would say Kentucky's the favorite. They've done a really good job with him over the past few months. And he's – so he's a 6'5 point guard, maybe the best in the class. Already got a commitment from Nolan Hickman, a 6'2 super long point guard from Seattle. Uh, Some people I really trust that I've talked to um, outside of Kentucky's program think he could be the best college point guard in the class at at that next level. And then Devin Askew um, is going to be a freshman at Kentucky this season. He's young. He just turned 18. The expectation is that he will be a multi-year college player. He could be better than any of those guys uh, as a sophomore next season. So right there you're talking about possibly three really, really good point guards in the fold for Kentucky, and then possibly also having a commitment from Sky Clark. Uh, if that were to happen, you know Cal obviously played Hagen's Maxie and quickly last year. That worked for everybody. Uh, it worked for those three at least, and I think had that team gotten to the, have had there been an NCAA tournament, it would have been really interesting to see how far that team would have gotten. Because I think by the end of the year, um, you know there there was certainly some optimism for a deep run there. And then, so, you know, you could play three of those guys at the same time. You could – and you could the, – the fourth one, if Sky Clark were to come early, could, could also get plenty of playing time, I would imagine, um, so, yeah. if you want to go that small ball route. And then with Damian Collins, he's really unlike um, anybody Kentucky's really recruiting for that class. There's not a really a glut of front of – really talented front court players there. And he's the type of kid who – I think he's one of those that his best basketball might be two, three, five years down the road, um, just because he's still learning his body, learning how just that unique athleticism kind of translates to being a good basketball player. But at the same time, he's a guy who uh, comes in and I think immediately is a, is a terrific shot blocker, a terrific rebounder. And from all accounts, a guy who's going to be pretty unselfish if he's surrounded by really good players Uh, with him I think most people are thinking Oklahoma right now. I think before Jay Lucas came to Kentucky, Jay Lucas was his uh, primary recruiter at Texas. A lot of people thought it was Oklahoma-Texas battle. Uh, he's from East Texas, but he's actually closer to Norman than he is to Austin. So it's not like he's you know right down the road from, from Texas's campus. Has a great relationship with Shaka Smart, but right now I think that's kind of shifted to an Oklahoma-Kentucky battle, and it's going to be a matter of does he go to the school that's a little closer where, you know, his, his parents, his people can come see him play on a regular basis, where he already has some friends in the program, where it's not quite as in the limelight as a place like Kentucky, or does he take that next challenge in, in his basketball life and go up against guys who are maybe better than him, and, and he's facing that every day in practice, and it's a little bit more out of his comfort area, both on the court and off the court, um, and I think – just from talking to people around his recruitment, that's what that decision is going to come down to. It's, I mean, obviously Oklahoma, great coach, a lot of success. They've had guys come through there that have turned into really, really big NBA draft picks and then good NBA players. Um, Or do you take that next step and, and, and take what comes with being a Kentucky basketball player and and playing for John Calipari. And I think that's kind of what he's weighing right now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. Uh,
1: back to South for a minute and talking about the point guards, when uh, Cal Perry, they had a Zoom call with the media with Cal Perry right before the NBA Finals to talk about all the Kentucky players in the NBA Finals. And um, I asked Cal about uh, Bam bio about the fact that when he was at Kentucky, he, only aver- he averaged uh, less than one assist per game, and now he's averaging in the NBA, he's averaging over five assists a game. Well, before I could get my question out, and I was going to – have this as part of my question before i could get my question out cal was quick to say you know there were three point guards on that team we already had three point <laughs> guards on that team with bam on that team he didn't need to pass uh well yeah that's my question that was my question to, but did you see uh things in practice to make you think hey this guy could you know, be a big assist guy or a great passer in the NBA, but Cal would even hardly let me get my question out. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, he's he's played two, three point guards together before. It's nothing, nothing new for him. I mean, when you go back to his very first team with John Wall. They recruited Eric Bledsoe, and the plan was that Bledsoe would play off the ball the first year, and then the next year he would be, you know, when John Wall went pro, Bledsoe would be the point guard. Well, Bledsoe turned out to be too good to stay for two years, and he ended up going pro. But so I don't think it's – yeah, that's certainly John's history. He'll he'll he has no problem playing more than one point guard.
0: Yeah, and yeah, Jamal Murray, Tyler Ulyss, Isaiah Briscoe, and then yeah, that trio last year. Yeah, it's and I think it's going to be especially maybe in the next couple of years, because like I said, there's not a lot of talented big guys in that next class. Really? So you're not gonna have a situation where you're rolling out I mean, obviously Lance Ware could be back for a sophomore year. Isaiah Jackson could be back for a sophomore year. Um, even Keon Brooks could come back as a, as a bigger wing for a junior year, maybe. Um, so you could still have some size. But as far as incoming talent, incoming freshmen, uh, I think you could see maybe him go to more of a small ball approach like he, he was kind of forced to last year. He didn't really have a choice last year. And I, I think the way the game is moving i think a lot of people both in the kentucky fan base and just observers of kentucky basketball would like to see that because they see all this talent he brings in and kind of envision and, and want to see what it looks like all on the floor at the same time as opposed to maybe having a couple seven footers or you know a couple bigger players uh, in, in the paint
1: okay let's talk about the new guy who's popped up here just just uh Within hours, it seems like, uh, Brandon Podzimski, what can you tell us? First of all, how did he pop up on the Kentucky radar, and what can you tell us about him?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who, he's kind of been known over the summer. I think he's one of those players that if there were spring and summer basketball, if he were able to play on the Nike circuit, a full Nike schedule with coaches in attendance and people who make the rankings in attendance and all that. He wouldn't be ranked where he is right now, which is right around 250 nationally, which is obviously not where we usually see uh, – not where we ever see Kentucky basketball targets. Um, so he's a good player, uh, and he had last weekend, maybe the weekend before, he had a really great performance at the Combine um, uh, there, there in the Upper Midwest where a lot of people were watching. He got a lot of people's attention. Uh, he's a guy who he's six, five, maybe even six, six has some size left-hander and can really shoot the ball, can really score. He's creative. Um, he, he's, he's, he's not, he's not super fast, but he's kind of quick with the ball and creative with the ball and he, and he can score in a variety of ways, not just at the basket or threes, but he's got kind of that quick hitch on maybe a fadeaway jumper. Um, mid range, just a guy who can, can get up shots and score points um in bunches. He's from Wisconsin, six five, shooting guard, uh great scorer. Tyler Hero obviously means that now that Kentucky's involved, especially that's the comparison that everybody's throwing out there. He's not on that level yet, obviously, because we saw what Tyler Hero's right. done the last few months or so. And he's not yeah, I mean he's not really even on that level from where Tyler hero was at this stage in, in his uh, basketball career. Um, so yeah, he, he tweeted last night that he had had a great conversation with, with John Perry and Joel justice and they had given him a scholarship offer. Um, so we're, you know, we're still kind of sorting through the particulars of that and just how high a priority, uh, he, he's going to be for Kentucky moving forward. Like I said, uh, obviously, uh, Hunter Salas is still on the radar. Nolan Hickman's committed. Could have some guards coming back. Sky Clark could be in here. Um, so they've got a lot of options there. Um, but this is, I mean, he's an intriguing player. He, as a sophomore, he he shot close to 45% from three-point range. And that's putting up 200, I think, 205 threes as a sophomore. Wow. So uh, that's a pretty high sample size. And last year, uh, it dipped back down. I think he was around 33, 35%. But he also scored 28 points a game. He was getting nine rebounds a game. He was clearly trying to show a little bit more versatility in his game than just being a shooter. He, he was, and he was obviously once you get that reputation, you draw the uh, the attention of of defenders and opposing defenses a lot more. So a little different circumstances, but I mean the kid can score. There, there's no way around that. Uh, and he's you know he's pretty athletic. Uh, but I think the next question is, can he score? at a level that like a Tyler hero could that some other guys uh, have at a level that Kentucky needs them to, can he defend at that level and what are his expectations coming in as a freshman? Because again, they're going to have a lot of talented guards on next season's team. It looks like no matter how it shakes out and does he want to be that guy who's the guy right off the bat, or can he, um, you know, mix more into a team like that, that's that's going to have a lot of other stars. So yeah it's 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 moving fast with him. Um, like I said, he was kind of known previously uh, and then last week really started to blow up some more and then with this Kentucky offer he's gonna gonna blow up about as big as you can in, in recruiting circles. so I'm sure we'll be hearing more from him and, and more from uh, people who have opinions on him in the, in the very near future.
1: Do we know who else is interested in him or who else has offered him?
0: Yeah, Kansas State's one, uh, Marquette's one, some, some of those schools up in his area. So, you know, it's not like he has, you know, it's not like they just found this completely unknown guy. I mean, he has right. several high major, um, you know, power five or whatever you want to call them offers out there already. Uh, and again, like I said, I think, you know, he's, he's going to play with Phenom University, which is now a, um, a Nike League team that's affiliated with Tyler Hero. Uh, so here I was kind of a co-sponsor of that team now, and he was going to be teammates on that team with Patrick Baldwin Jr. Who is uh, by some accounts, the number one player in high school basketball right now. And they were going to play together on the Nike league. They were going to get a ton of attention. And so a bunch of college coaches were going to see him there. They, you know, some managed to obviously see him anyway. Uh, but again, I, I think if, not for the pandemic and we'd had a normal spring and summer on the AAU circuit. He's a guy who's, who's probably ranked top 100 and is sitting on a, a lot more offers than, than he otherwise, uh, other otherwise got at least at this point in the process.
1: Right. Well, I'm sure that's, I mean, with the, I mean, it's just a whole totally different year that which that sort of runs. Me, I mean, how in the people that you talk to is the coaches and have they found it, difficult to recruit these kids you know mainly over zoom and not to get to see them over the summer uh, or have they pretty well adapted to it by now
0: i mean i think they've adapted to it to the point that you can expect them to but yeah i mean it's not just the coaches either it's it's everybody i've talked to coaches evaluators scouts the, the people who make these rankings you can't you just can't get a f- I mean you can watch a kid on video on a, on a grainy live stream sure and see what you want to see but you can't really get a feel for a kid unless you're in the gym with them and, and obviously these coaches get to sit on the sidelines the baselines they they literally have the toes of their of their shoes are over the line in the in the court of play at some of these gyms. so they're getting as up close a look as you could possibly get and that's where you see, you know, who really wants to compete? Who's competing on every possession? What what a kid's body language is like, how they deal with teammates, how they deal with, with hard coaching. You can hear what their coaches are trying to tell them, and are they responding to that? Uh, how they deal with officiating, and, and are they, you know, mentally tough enough to, to let a bad call go and, and keep playing? I mean, you see so much more when you're in the gym and you're standing, you're sitting there 10 feet away from a kid than you could possibly see, um, uh, on these live streams. And, and that's what the coaches have to do now. Cause they're not allowed to go travel and they can, you know, there, there is more of the, the recon work where you're talking to these players, coaches, you're talking to the parents, you're talking to the people around them. Um, but even then you don't get, I, you know, I've talked to some college coaches in the past who, I mean, they go in and they'll talk to the, the janitor of a school like how you know what is this kid like when he's walking through the hallways how does this kid treat other people uh they, they talk to the principals they talk to the, the school counselors they get as much information as they possibly can and, and you just can't get that level of information when you're sitting in your house or you're sitting in your office and, and you're trying to get it on video and you can i mean frankly you can't get to know a kid and his family as well, um, as you would, if you can go sit in their living room or you can have them on campus or, or meet at their high school gym or, or whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big challenge and it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, obviously it took Kentucky a while to feel comfortable enough to offer kids in this environment. Cause they went from, I mean, they went almost six, seven, eight months without offering a kid, which is unheard of, uh, in that frame of time when kids otherwise would have been playing AU ball and and playing organized basketball. So they've offered a few since August. And I think they're, you know, they're obviously just always getting that information and getting whatever information they can to to feel comfortable uh, bringing a kid into the program.
1: Yeah, I heard uh, Urban Meyer, I, it was, I think I heard him on a podcast, and they asked him about Joe Burrow, about recruiting Joe Burrow. He said, I never saw him play football, but I saw him, uh, never saw him play live, play football, but I saw him in a basketball game. I saw him play high school basketball live, and I loved his competitiveness. He was just a super competitor. He, compete, he competed on every play, and he wasn't the most talented basketball player, but I just loved that about him, and that's why we took him, because I saw him play basketball, how competitive. And, yeah, you probably don't see that on the tape of highlights you uh, uh, so yeah it goes a lot to seeing these guys in person and getting to know them it's a whole different yeah. whole different deal now uh, let's talk about okay uh, let's talk a little bit about this year's team from the standpoint their practice has officially begun correct it what, was a couple of days ago or yesterday I guess was yeah, the starting
0: date this week was the official start obviously they've been able to right. have their workouts and and um, Right. It's, it's, and that's been a thing that's been, I think, tough on not just Kentucky, but schools around the country is uh, with the, you know, it's not even really even positive tests. It's with the contact tracing and and everything that goes along with trying to prevent uh, having COVID even creep into your program at all. uh, You're not getting, all the guys in the gym at the same time as much as you normally would and, and right. just from talking to some players on this year's team and, and talking to some some people are around the country. That that's that's been a pretty pretty common uh, nationwide.
1: Yeah, and we're uh, the at Kentucky.com there a leader where we started to run profiles on the players, uh, Jerry Tipton's profile on Keon Brooks ran. I think we we are recording this on Thursday ran yesterday. Yours on uh, your profile of Devin Askew uh ran today i know we have some more of those coming up uh uh how did how did of course you from the recruiting trail you knew about devin of course how was he to talk to and uh, uh what anything in particular stick out when you talk about when you talk to talk to him
0: yeah it was great uh, he i got to know him pretty good at some like usa basketball camps and his family and uh obviously he's a california kid and so not only did he come a long way to play here but he also just turned 18 years old in in uh, late July Um, so that makes him I think he's the youngest person on this team by like six and a half months I think Isaiah might be Jackson might be the next youngest and even some of his fellow freshmen are are more than a year older than him so he's as he said he's the baby he said he's always been the baby he's always played up he had an older brother that he they kind of paired him with uh, throughout the process and so in the backyard, and in, in AAU ball, even in high school, he, he was always a little younger than everybody else, which I thought was interesting because at the same time, he's the point guard. And not only is he the point guard, but he's a guy who, if you watch him play, especially in like some camp settings, uh, in, in some of those places where you can kind of get up close and just see how he operates, he's a very vocal guy and a very uh, assertive guy and a guy who, who really concentrates – Um, instead of getting his points and getting to the basket, just from watching him play, you could always tell he, like his eyes were darting around. He, he was talking, communicating. He's a guy who wanted everybody else on the team to be in the right spots. And he wanted to line everybody up and kind of get everybody on the same page, which, um, when you're the youngest guy on the team, I imagine it probably be pretty tough when you're, especially now, I mean, you're asking a guy like Devin to tell people like Olivier Sarr and Davion Vince guys, four or five years older than him, what to do and what they need to do. And they have to listen to this, this kid who was 17 years old a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Um, but I think he has the personality to, to do it. And, and he just, uh, he, he told me he couldn't be more pleased with how things have gone so far. And, one thing he said that Davion actually said earlier this week, too, that everybody on this team listens to each other, that they've already have a kind of a a shared uh, feeling of respect for everybody else on the team, which I thought was also interesting because, again, they haven't been able to bond uh, on or off the court as much as you normally would. Um, I was talking to Lance Ware this week, and he said that, uh, obviously, like, like past teams, they, they love to play video games together. Well, they can't get in their dorm rooms and sit there and play so they're they're playing online games and they you know there might be a wall away but they're they're playing each other and they don't get to see each other uh so it's just kind of a a different deal for everybody right now um but the fact you know i I thought it was good for kentucky that the fact that they do already seem to be building that bond and, and building that respect and again kind of that um, we heard it from Davion and I'd already heard it from Devin that the guys really care what other guys have to say. And you don't always get that, especially with a young team that's new to each other. And especially at this stage in the season, which hasn't even begun yet, you, you don't have guys on the same page like that. So I, I, think, uh, I, I think that's certainly a positive for, for this season's team
1: yeah well, yeah definitely definitely uh and it's gonna be like you say it's hard to do it's gonna be harder for uh oh, all teams to do uh, under the present circumstances uh well ben we got uh obviously we're you know on uh we're waiting to see what happens with SAR so everybody should look for that anything else in particular that's coming up what's what's next for you and, what, and you got the two announcements next week um uh, anything else we should be looking for
0: yeah, I think the big things for right now are just going to be uh, Bryce Hopkins and Sky Clark uh, next week uh, making their announcements. And I, I think there's going to be some more dominoes from there. So, like I said, November 11th is the the first day of the early signing period. Uh, and this is really um, – it's already – you know, th- this 2021 class, they've already, I, th- I think, around 70 or so of the top 100 have already committed, which is a abnormally – high number for this stage in the cycle, but we're only going to see more of those. And I think Kentucky, you know, a month from now, as we get into that, uh, that early signing period, I think Kentucky will, will probably have uh, maybe at least a couple more uh, commitments. So uh, now, you know, it, it felt kind of like a slow summer because we weren't traveling. We weren't seeing guys in person, uh, not nearly as much basketball is being played as in the past. But I, I think things are, are really going to pick up here, both from a team and a, and a recruiting standpoint over the next few weeks.
1: Well, Ben will be all over it uh, with his Next Cats blog and in the print edition of the Herald Leader and online at Kentucky.com. Uh, how can they follow you on Twitter, Ben?
0: It's uh, Ben Roberts, HL.
1: So be sure and check out all of his coverage. He does a great job. Uh, and like I said, whenever, Olivier, whenever we get the decision on Olivier Saar, we'll, we'll be talking to you again.
0: Okay. Sounds good. All right.
1: Thanks, Ben. Yep. Thanks, John. Okay. Thanks to Ben for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, be sure and check out all of Ben's work, be sure and check out his uh, blog next cat's blog, which has all the uh, recruiting links and news on the blog. Be sure and check that out. Just Google Next Scatch, You'll find it. Check out all of his work at Kentucky.com. And in the print edition of The Arrow Leader, want to thank everybody who listens to these podcasts. Uh, you can listen to them on uh, Apple Podcasts, on TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, I Radio, Google Podcasts, just about any place you find your podcast, you can find this podcast. We appreciate everybody who subscribes to these podcasts. Remember, we relaunched the podcast, so we're on a new feed it's called the John Clay Podcast now, so check that out. Give us a rating and review, on, especially on Apple Podcasts. That really helps get the word out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Send me a email, jclay at com. herald-leader.com. I uh, appreciate any feedback we get on the podcast. That really helps out a lot. Thanks again for everybody listening. We'll be talking to you again soon.